0: So I'm going to jump right in and tell you a little bit about my week last week. (laughs) Um, Last weekend was super busy for my family, um, and it was full of emotional highs and lows. So on Saturday, we literally went straight from a really tragic, unexpected funeral to, like, a friend's three-year-old's birthday party, (laughs) which was incredible emotional whiplash, frankly. And then you throw in, uh, you know, Sunday mornings, which are pretty busy uh, for someone like me, and then a couple of family projects we needed to complete, uh, another birthday party the next day, and one unexpected trip to urgent care with one of my kids. And by about 4.30 on Sunday afternoon, we were all pretty much done. Uh, So my kids and I, we were on the way home in the van, and I thought, you know what, they have weathered this really pretty well. I'm just going to do something small and special to kind of... Just relax with them, you probably I can see parents smiling, you know where this is headed, right? Uh, <laughs> so are you guys familiar with the game Pokemon Go? anybody a Pokemon go fan? okay, there are a few of you for the uninitiated here 's the deal. Pokemon Go was this app game that took over the world like seven or eight years ago. Most of the world has moved on, but my husband and kids are still pretty obsessed with it so <laughs> um, now i'm i 'm one of those moms that's pretty reticent about screen time and I don't get the Pokémon thing at all, I don't understand any of it, so the kids know that when they're with me, they hardly ever get to play Pokémon. But Craig had told me that there was some sort of special event happening that day, and that the kids would really love to participate in it if we had the time. So this event is ending at 5 o'clock, but I decided to go for it anyway. So I hand uh, my oldest the iPad and I say, listen, we only have 20 minutes before the event ends, but if you want, I'll let you buy a ticket, and I'll take the long way home, and you can play for a little bit. So both kids are, like, cheering in the back seat. And for a split second, I am their hero. (sighs) And that didn't last long. Because as soon as Elliot buys the ticket, he yells, Mom, we're at 1%. (sighs) Apparently they had forgotten to charge the iPad the night before, and he just noticed it after we bought the ticket. So, I hurry and plug it back in, and I hand it to him, but you know how it is when it gets that low. Like, the charger can't outpace the drain on the battery from using it. So, of course, it dies, and everybody panics. Elliot's like, mom, you got to get home as fast as you can. The home charger works better than the car charger, and we can still get a few minutes. (laughs) I love his optimism, (laughs) but like, I'm watching the clock, so I know this is a pipe dream at this point, but I'm being supportive, so I head home as fast as I can. I peel into the driveway. We jump out and head to unlock the door so that he can get to this magic charger. And, I, like, we leave the youngest in the car. We are in such a hurry. We just leave him and go. <laughs> at this point, it is 4.58 when I look at the clock. So I head back to the car, and I help the youngest gather up his stuff, and I brace for the inevitable meltdown. Two minutes later, Elliot walks back out, and the tears have already started flowing. Now, I realize in this moment, in addition to my frustration, that like I tried to do something good and here, this is what's happening. But like now we're here, right? (laughs) So I have three choices in how to parent my kid through this moment. The first choice, I could choose to sidestep his pain and just distract him. Oh, that's such a bummer. How about we go for ice cream instead? Choice two, I could succumb to the pain right along with him, express my own frustration with the fact that we just wasted 99 cents and try to use this as a teachable moment where he experiences the consequences of the fact that he didn't plug in the iPad. Or choice three, I could surrender control and just try to meet my kid where he was in that moment and comfort him in what he was feeling. Now, ultimately, I chose option three. We sat on the front steps. And I just listened to him, even though I don't understand any of this Pokemon stuff. And I grieved with him, and I held him while he cried, and I told him, you know, there, there will be other chances, I promise, but I know, this is, I know this is disappointing. Now, I'm not telling this story to illustrate what a like patient and attentive parent I am, because let's be real, 90% of the time, I am knee-deep in the teachable moment lecture before I even realize there's another option And full disclosure, I actually tried the ice cream bribe. (laughs) He's older now. Apparently ice cream doesn't have the magic amnesiac properties it used to. But as I was preparing for today's message, I kept thinking about that moment and how so often when I'm sad or feeling broken or disappointed by the things in the world that just don't turn out the way they're supposed to, I choose to sidestep my pain or succumb to it instead of surrendering and allowing myself to mourn. And then experience the comfort of my father, God, who loves me even on the days where it feels like all my plans are falling apart. Now the good news that we're going to see today in the life and the words of Jesus is this. The good life in God's kingdom is ours when we feel like we've lost something we hold dear. When we're able to mourn the mess that is, we experience God's comfort in the beauty of what will be. And we're in week three of this ten-part series on one of Jesus' most famous teachings called the Sermon on the Mount. And he opens this sermon with nine shocking statements about what it means to be human in God's kingdom. And they're known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are both surprising and they're beautiful because they challenge our assumptions about who is blessed in God's kingdom. And each week of the series is going to build on the weeks before it. So if you miss the first two, I really want to encourage you, go online this week, catch up on those, because it's pretty foundational stuff that you're going to need to understand where we're going. And I want to encourage you to prioritize making sure that you gather with us every week, whether you're in person or online. Uh, It'll help you to experience the full picture that Jesus is painting in the Beatitudes. But in week one, to just kind of review, we started by asking the question, why should we take Jesus seriously in the first place? And we said that ultimately, when we look at Jesus' as his person, his story, his teaching, we realize that he is uniquely positioned to be the expert that we follow and model our lives after, as if our lives depended on it, because we believe they do. And then last week, Brian dug into the first blessed statement Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this one, I think, resonated with so many of us because it reminded us of the truth that the goodness of God's kingdom, it isn't just for the perfect people. When we're broken and we're at the end of our rope, there's more room for us to experience God's perfect love for us. And in that opening line of the Sermon on, on the Mount, when Jesus says that, he blows up everybody's assumption that the good life is only for the people who have it all together. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> But in the subsequent blessed statements, he gets even more specific about the ways that that the imperfect among us get in on experiencing new life in the kingdom of God. And he starts with the one we're going to talk about today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. I can't help but think, seriously, Jesus, (laughs) when I read that? Because, guys, I attended four funerals in two weeks this month. And as I watched those grieving families, not once did I think, wow, they're so blessed. Why would Jesus say we're blessed when we mourn? I think it's probably because Jesus knew this good news, that the good life in God's kingdom is for us even when we feel like we've lost something we hold dear. When we're able to mourn the mess that is, we experience God's comfort in the beauty of what will be. Now first, I want us to get clear on who Jesus is talking about when he says those who mourn. Because mourning is a word we don't really use a lot these days, at least the M-O-U-R-N version. And usually when we do use it, it's only in the context of like a funeral or grieving someone that that we've lost, that we love. And Jesus' use of the word here, it does include that. But it's actually much broader than that. Because the crowd of Jewish people who were listening to Jesus that day Um, many, if not most of them, would have grown up in the temple, hearing the words of the prophets regularly, memorizing them. And to them, this second beatitude would have sounded really familiar because Jesus echoes a lot of the language that's found in uh, the prophet Isaiah's writings. Uh, Isaiah says in uh, chapter 61, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord anointed me to proclaim good news, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning now isaiah served as a prophet in the time of exile in babylon the israelites were slaves in a foreign land there and they were grieving the loss of their beloved home and their regular way of life and isaiah's prophecies were a pretty bittersweet mixture <laughs> it was a big book a lot of prophecy and a lot of it talked about like the destruction and brokenness that was still coming for the Israelites. But he also brought messages of hope, encouraging them to hang on because there was a Messiah who was coming, and that when he came, he was going to restore all that was broken. So when Jesus says, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted," he's talking to anyone who feels like they're in exile. When you feel like you're living in a world that just isn't the way it should be, and it's breaking your heart and your longing for what's broken to be restored then you're, you are those who mourn. And yes, we're those who mourn when we're grieving the loss of a, of a loved one who's gone too soon. But we're also those who mourn when we're looking out over the ruins of a relationship that's broken or a friendship that's lost, when we're struggling with the consequences of an addiction that's enslaved ourselves or someone we love, or when our hearts break every time we turn on the news and we're confronted with images of our world torn apart by things like war and hunger and greed. Anytime our soul cries, this is not the way it should be, we are those who mourn. And when we feel like we've lost something dear, guys, Jesus declares that the good life in God's kingdom, it's for us, right then and there in the middle of that mess. Because when we're able to mourn the mess that is, we experience God's comfort in the goodness and beauty of what will be. Now I'm not sure where we got lost on this one as like American Christians (laughs) and we convinced ourselves that we're all supposed to be shiny, happy people holding hands even when everything is broken around us. Scripture gives us ample examples of mourning in both Old and New Testaments. We have an entire book called Lamentations. If you're not familiar with that word, to lament means to mourn. Whole book about this. In the Psalms, there's well over 100 of them. And they, they, they tell us that there are more psalms of lament than any other category of psalm. And when we look at the life of Jesus, as we frequently want to do here to learn from him how to live and love, we see that he openly wept on multiple occasions when he was experiencing loss or he was watching the brokenness of the world around him. Isaiah even prophesied that Jesus would be a man of suffering who was familiar with pain. So if we're going to get serious about learning from Jesus how to live in love like he does, then we're going to have to embrace the posture and the practice of mourning. And here's the thing. We can trust that God meets us there. He's going to meet us in the messy reality of our mourning. I love the way that Sky Jathani says it in his book about the Sermon on the Mount. He says, We must not fall into the delusion that God has called us to a perpetual state of ever-increasing happiness. Because Jesus reminds us that God is also with us when we mourn. And because this is a broken world, mourning is to be expected. But we do not weep as those without hope. The good life in God's kingdom is ours when we feel like we've lost something we hold dear. And when we're able to mourn the mess that is, we experience God's comfort in the beauty of what will be. Jesus says not only blessed are those who mourn, but he says, he promises that they will be comforted. When we mourn, when we allow ourselves to mourn, our pain and our disappointment, God meets us there like the good and loving father he is, who longs to comfort us because we're his much-loved children. He listens to us and he grieves with us. He reminds us of what's true in the new reality of his kingdom, that this present mess, it's not forever. That he is always present, and that even now, he is working to bring restoration to what's broken in our world. And that one day, what's broken, all of that work that he's doing to restore it, it's going to be complete. He's going to make all things new. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, like this whole morning thing <laughs> and comfort, it's not so much like a one-two linear process, and then you're done. I wish it were sometimes, but it's much more like a cycle that repeats itself over and over again. Those of you who have experienced this know what I'm talking about. Now, some of that's just the reality of the fact that we live in a broken world. And we know that inevitably, there will be more pain and disappointment ahead. But there's another really beautiful reason that this cycle continues over and over again. And it's that when we get serious about mourning, and we begin to allow ourselves to experience comfort from God, we begin to develop a deeper understanding of his kingdom and his goodness, his love, and his care. And we begin to long for a world where God's love reigns. We want to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the more clearly we see the beauty of that coming kingdom, and we begin practicing living that way right now, the more it breaks our hearts for the mess that's around us. The beauty of the coming kingdom clashes with the mess of the world around us, and that creates more mourning and more opportunities, then, to experience God's comfort. And round and round we go in this cycle. And I know on its face that does not sound like something we want to embrace. But think about this. Isn't it true that the very fact that we experience pain or disappointment over a loss means that we experience love and hope in the first place? Like, we don't get to choose to just let in joy and delight and connection without opening our hearts up to the possibility of experiencing loss and pain when things are delayed or broken. And we want to be the kind of people who can mourn deeply because those kind of people, they know how to love deeply. And in both the love and the mourning, God is meeting us there. He's at work in our hearts, reminding us of his goodness and the promise of his kingdom that's coming. Oftentimes, however, we choose to disrupt this cycle. And we do it in one of two ways. Much like I <laughs> illustrated in, in the story of uh, my son and his disappointment over Pokemon, we often choose to either sidestep our pain or we succumb to it. And we sidestep our pain when we don't even let ourselves get into the cycle at all. We just distract ourselves. We want to stick our head in the sand, ignore the brokenness around us, and just maintain whatever false sense of peace we can pull off. And we've got all kinds of strategies for this, right? (laughs) Workaholism, alcohol, overeating, binge-watching Netflix. I could go on and on and on. Sometimes we get really sneaky about it. We try to avoid facing our pain through false positivity. We tell ourselves and others uh, trite statements like, Everything happens for a reason, or it'll all work out in the end, instead of allowing ourselves to seriously mourn the things that are truly broken and should break our hearts. Alternatively, we can choose to succumb to our pain, and when we do this, we let ourselves mourn, but we keep God at arm's length. We don't allow him to comfort us, and when we do that, we lose sight of the hope we have that God's kingdom is coming. And then when that happens, we begin to sink into things like despair or cynicism, and it just takes hold of our lives. But we can engage in good mourning when we surrender our pain to God, and we begin to allow ourselves to engage with Him in the cycle of mourning and comfort, and more mourning and more comfort. Because surrendering opens our hearts to transformation, it lets us draw near to the God who is always present and at work in our lives. And we begin to want the things that God wants. We begin to see the beauty of this kingdom that's to come and how good it would be in our world if God's love were the thing <laughs> that reigned. And when we do that and we catch sight of that kingdom, it motivates us to join him in the work he's already doing right now to restore what's broken in our world. This kind of mourning, it is hard work, but it's holy. The good life in God's kingdom, it's ours when we feel like we've lost something we hold dear. When we're able to allow ourselves to mourn the mess that is, we experience God's comfort in the beauty of what will be. Now, I am learning uh, the truth of this good news from personal experience right now. The day I sat down to start this message, I got the news about Carrie Greer's passing. Brian shared part of her story last week, and If you missed it, you really want to go back and watch it online, but fair warning, you will probably need tissues. (laughs) And then a few days later, um, I got the news that someone in my extended family had been in a very similar accident. And like Carrie, she was gone way too soon. And in the aftermath of these unexpected and tragic losses, I have found myself experiencing profound sadness and frustration, and if I'm honest, even a little bit of anger, that I'm living in a broken world where families and communities can be fractured in just an instant without warning. It's hard for me to even name that out loud, guys, because I am really well-practiced in the art of sidestepping difficult emotions. I'm really good at it. (laughs) So much so that it's hard for me to even, like, identify and name what emotion I'm feeling in a given moment most of the time. But this week, uh, I'm leaning in to this good news, and instead of sidestepping the mourning that I'm feeling, I'm giving myself some time to be honest with God, to sit with my pain before him and just brutally, honestly tell him what I'm feeling. I reached out to some trusted friends as well. I was honest with them. I asked them to pray. And then I spent some time meditating on this beatitude in different scripture translations. It's one of the things I like to do, to just really let the sink of, the truth of something sink in. And the first time I read the message verse, version of this verse, it just took my breath away. It said, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. And God has been bringing those words back to my mind over and over again. It's been like an anchor in my heart and in my head that's keeping me tethered to God's comfort when I'm feeling unsteady or unsure of a broken world around me. And it's awkward, and it's super uncomfortable. It wasn't in my plan, and it's not on my timeline. But slowly, I'm learning to embrace this good news, that the good life in God's kingdom is for me, even when I feel like I've lost something that's dear to me. And when I'm able to allow myself to mourn the mess that is, I find that I experience God's comfort, because he reminds me of the beauty that is to be. Now, as we often do around here, we want to leave some space in our gathering to allow us to practice responding to the good news we've heard. So we're going to actually practice this mourning and comfort cycle together right now. Um, I think as a community of Christ followers, it is a rare but a beautiful thing when we take the opportunity to actually mourn together. We remember when we do this that we're not alone, (laughs) that we're part of a community of people who are becoming the sort of people who are capable of experiencing the full breadth of emotion that God created us for, love and joy and, yes, mourning. So we're going to do that together right now. I just want to invite you to go ahead and close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, And in this space, if you haven't done so yet, I want, I want to invite you to just be honest with God about what you need to mourn right now. When you look out at the world around you, what is it that's breaking your heart right now? Be honest with God about that. What about within your own soul? Where does it feel like something's broken within you right now? Tell your father about that. can go ahead and open your eyes now. We're going to do something we don't do very often around here, <laughs> but I'm going to invite maybe three or four people to just be vulnerable enough to be honest with all of us. Like, what are you mourning right now? You don't have to explain the whole story. It can be a, a name, a word, a phrase, maybe a sentence at the most, but what, what's breaking your heart right now? Children in a divorce. Absolutely. Thank you, Sharon. Anybody else? Hatred in the world. In the world. Yeah. Anybody else? Injustice, yes. Because these are the kinds of things that should break our hearts. And we should be able to be honest (laughs) with God and with each other about the fact that they're breaking our hearts. Can we take a moment to just pray together real quick? (sighs) Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be honest with you about the things that feel like they're broken and not the way they should be. God, I pray that we would lean into that, that we would surrender the feelings of frustration or anger or sadness that we're feeling to you, and that we would open our lives to hear the truth of your coming kingdom and to embrace the truth that you're with us, that you're working, and that there is good ahead. In your name, amen. Guys, I don't know if that felt uncomfortable or cathartic or somewhere in between, But it's a good thing when we practice lament together, when we practice mourning. But we don't want to end there. (laughs) We talk a lot about bad news, good news, and we've done the mourning side, the bad news side. We want to make sure we also do the comfort side, and we declare some good news. So uh, I want to read um, one of the most comforting passages of Scripture I know that reminds me of the truth of God's coming kingdom. And uh, I want you to do whatever will help you focus, to just embrace and hear um, these words. So if that's closing your eyes so that you can listen a little more intently, if that's reading along on the screen, whatever you need to do to focus on these words. But these are some good news that scripture offers us about the kingdom that is coming. Revelation 21, 3 through 5 says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's good news. (laughs) No matter what brokenness we're mourning today, guys, One day, pain will be no more, and all things will be made new. The good life in God's kingdom is for us, even when we feel like we've lost something that we hold dear to us. And when we're able to allow ourselves to mourn that mess that is, we experience God's comfort in the beauty of what will be. So if you're clinging to that hope like I am today, I want to invite you to stand and join me as we pray kind of a final prayer out loud together. It's going to come up on the screen, and let's just pray this out loud. God, we surrender to your love. Teach us to mourn what is broken and embrace your comfort. Help us to notice where you're at work in our world right now and join you in what you're doing. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? (laughs) Guys, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, Join us back next week as we dig into the third Beatitude. You're dismissed.